Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn. I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. And we are your hosts. Hi. So, Karen, you mm. said that yours is the best, so I think you're going to kick it off. I'm going to blow your minds with my trial, okay? okay. Get ready, ladies. Are you ready? And I'm ready. all I of my many fans. Okay. <laughs> so, y'all have heard me talk before about my neighbor, Jim. Mm. Yes, we I know mean, Jim. I'm, us- I'm using Jim to protect his identity. That's not his real name. Um, and you know, that his house is about to fall down and he has he's the one with the squirrels going. Yeah. He has the squirrels that live in the house and he's shoved tennis balls into the yes, holes yes, to yes. keep the squirrels out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now the ivy's grown up over the entire side of his house. It covers every window on the west side of his house, which is the side that face that's across the driveway from me. So actually the ivy's very pretty <laughs> <laughs> compared to what's underneath it. Anyway, Jim is the nicest guy. Okay. But anyway, not the best homeowner. So I'm in the kitchen with Jacob the other day and we're just chatting and my back is to Jim's house and Jacob's facing Jim's house. And he's like, oh my God, mom, there is a raccoon coming out of Jim's (gasps) roof. And I was like, no, no. So I turn around and like, there's a little head poking out of where, the, of where the tennis balls are shoved to keep the squirrels out. Well, now there's no squirrels. There is a raccoon living in the house. No. I've, got, I've got photo and video. This thing's big, y'all. It is the size of, I mean, no, how, Karen. how big is You're that? You're holding up your hands. And I'm, a 35-pound dog? I mean, it's big. It weighs more than my child. Oh, yeah. It's your two kids combined plus another two kids. I mean, it's big. And so we're hypothesizing that it's a mama gone in there to have babies. (gasps) Oh, God. Because it's spring. And so I, of course, text Jim a picture. I'm like, hey, you've got um, a roof roof renter or whatever. Do you you not hear him, by the way? The family above your head. Anyway, so just I'm like trying to give a heads up. I wouldn't want to know if there was a critter living in my house. So he's like, oh, thanks. So then I see him a couple days later and he says, oh, I put out a couple traps. I caught a couple possums, but I haven't caught a raccoon yet. And I'm just like, <gasps> oh, Lord, Lordy, Lordy, Lord. <gasps> so I saw it again yesterday. It comes in and out at night about oh. six o'clock. It'll exit and <gasps> go out on the rafter and then climb up on the roof and go off the back of the house. Karen, uh, you have to send us a photo. Oh, girls. Yeah. I'm telling oh. you, of all of the creatures in this entire world, I think that possums are the most revolting. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he has possums living in his house, I was actually going to be like, thank God it's a raccoon and not a possum. Well, he didn't catch the possums <gasps> inside the house. No, he they're like ginormous rats. Outside the house. Them. He put traps outside and caught the possums. So okay. they might live inside. They might live outside. Who knows? It's like Noah's Ark over oh. there. No. Well, you know if the flooding starts, where to go? <laughs> Get on board. <laughs> yeah. 
So oh. that's my trial. That's my trial. So you're going to say that he sold his house and like they were going to build like some five story, like horrifying McMansion. So, you no, know. not yet. <laughs> not, not yet. yet. Oh, man, so, Karen, that's hard to beat. Yeah. I but I do oh, have, okay, my triumph is silly, 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 but I feel like it's very practical and people are going to thank me. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I've had, you know, we're cooking so many meals, like 800 meals a day. I know I, I'm probably cooking less than a lot of people because my teenager doesn't get out of bed until two in the afternoon. So I'm not making him lunch, but I'm, we're making a big dinner every night. There's always leftovers. I hate it when people don't eat leftovers. And I also find that kids are especially bad about looking in the refrigerator at what's there and then heating it up and eating it. Um, so I have, because they don't have to cook it. That's true. They're just lazy pants, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and also, you know, you get stuff in the fridge and you're like, what is that? I don't remember. Blah, blah, blah. So I started using my little chalk pens to write on my little Tupperware containers. What's in it, you know, barbecue or, I don't know, corn or whatever's in there. I write on the side of the little container with my chalk pen. And y'all, it's very efficient. Taryn, you're looking at me like I'm insane. No, it's a great idea. What kind of Tupperware do you have? Oh, I have, um, it's actually Rubbermaid. It's very, very smooth, Mm -hmm. uh, clear. um, So it works great on glass, but smoother things. I haven't tried it on the sort of milkier kind, but it comes, I mean, it washes off everything yeah. just water so i imagine mm-hmm. it would work on the stuff that isn't so smooth as well and then the other thing i just used it on is um like storage containers you know those clear ones that you put pasta or beans or rice or whatever in oh, i yeah. used, used it on that too because i'll put quinoa or whatever in there and forget what it is and i'll be like what is that <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that's a, a great tip and the other I thing i do one. with my little storage containers that have food is I'll cut out the little instruction on how many minutes you cook it or whatever, and I shove it in that container with the food. You know what I'm saying? You know, does that make sense? I'm impressed yeah. by that. Smart. Mm-hmm. I have actually um, started a list of what I have purchased and put downstairs in our second fridge because if I am not careful, then I'll be like, oh, we are out of, you know, whatever, sour cream, put it on my grocery list. And then five days later I go down there, we just bought a brand new thing of sour cream and there's like a ginormous, like, you Mm -hmm. know, half court in there that I had already bought because I was planning ahead. (laughs) Anyway, so I have tried to keep a list of what is in our downstairs fridge and freezer so that then I can quickly see. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. used to have that an Evernote for that because I I use Evernote as a organizational system for myself. And um, so I used to, when I was not at home every minute of every day, I used to have an Evernote <laughs> that had all the contents of my downstairs freezer because it has a lot of meat and things in it. And so Joe and I, you know, every day at like two o'clock, I'll be like, what's for dinner tonight? I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And then I could be like, oh, well, there's a tenderloin, pull that out. And yeah, so, that's smart. You know, that's super smart. Mm-hmm. It's you guys are yeah, so organized. Yeah, oh. sort of. If you saw my pantry right now, you wouldn't think I was that organized. So, (laughs) I'm just trying to eat everything so I don't have to organize it. (laughs) That's smart. Right? It is true. If you put it out on your counter and it's not like away and organized, you'll just shovel it because you're like, get off my counter. (laughs) 
Yeah. That's one way to handle it. (laughs) It's not, you know, the most perfect system, but... Yeah, just don't put a case of wine out on your counter. Then we'll never see you again. Tear and pass out. (laughs) I'm not going to confirm or deny that that's been a thing on the counter. (laughs) Um, Taryn, do you want to go? Do you want me to go? I'll be real. I have nothing. What? (laughs) I know. Can you believe that? don't have any trials? That's what I'm shocked by. Yeah. Oh, I mean, nothing interesting. Too much sour cream. (laughs) (laughs) I made that up. (laughs) So I've been having groceries delivered, and I'm sure you've seen all the laughable things that people have ordered through that. My most laughable to date is I asked for a thing of cottage cheese. Don't know how this happened. They got me literally the gallon size. (laughs) Like, it is so much cottage cheese and Dave's the only one that eats it and so literally it's like (laughs) most of my fridge is this massive gallon of cottage cheese and it's not even like a thing you're like "Mm, what can I put this in right what can I make with this nothing nothing. Uh -uh. it's cottage cheese I need to start like you can't convince your kid he likes it put applesauce on it or something god yeah peanut butter breakfast (laughs) straight chocolate guys let's stay focused come on some berries or something? I don't know. I didn't know people still ate cottage cheese. David it seems is a like dinosaur. Food from like the eighties, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe I made it up. I don't eat it. It's gross. Just the texture alone freaks me out. I'll eat it. I'll eat it. I just not that never, much. Yeah, I never go buy it to put it in my yeah. mouth. Well, <laughs> I ordered groceries the other day and ordered butter. Four pounds of butter they brought me. <gasps> I don't know why they brought me. See. Four, like two of the one pounders that had four uh-huh. sticks, and then like four that had two sticks. I'm like, what? Where did you get that? I mean, we've used it, but because <laughs> you left it on the counter, right? right? Whoever's whoever's Instacart person bought them like four pounds of all-purpose flour. Give me a holler because there is no all-purpose flour anywhere in the metro area. Really? You know what I couldn't it. find was yeast because my mother really, really wanted. And th- this won't be a surprise when she hears this. Um, she really, really wanted hot cross buns at Easter. Aww. And I couldn't find them anywhere. They were sold out everywhere. And so I kept looking. And every three days, she's saying, now if you're at Publix and you see hot cross buns. And I'm like, okay. No, always sold out. So um, I wanted to make her some hot cross buns for Mother's Day and surprise her and just That's drop them cute. off. But I can't find yeast anywhere in this whole city. So I um, sent out a text to a bunch of friends that live in my neighborhood. And someone had some yeast, thank goodness. So then I went into my stupid cabinet today and found two packets of yeast of my own. So if anybody needs (laughs) yeast, I got some. Well, hopefully you can return it to whoever lent you theirs because now they might be short. It's a commodity, right? Yeah. 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 Who knew? Right. Um, well, that's really funny. You know, um, I have mine this week. My um, trial is one of my um, fish eddy jade colored plates cracked. And I had them since my wedding. And it's our everyday like small salad plates. And I don't believe they sell them anymore. So I was kind of bummed about that because mm-hmm. I'm home and we're using our plates all the time. And then to see it cracked and you're like, yeah, but you're that weird color I picked eight years ago that I thought I'd love forever, and I just am sad you're broken. So Aww. anyway, it's not that big a deal. It's just a plate, but that was my, like, you know, now that we're using them all the time, too, and your appreciation for, I don't know, 
it's one of my like oh I like color that's why I got these yeah yeah it's always sad when anything breaks I you know like like dishes or yeah it's never the stuff you hate it's always the stuff you love (laughs) oh of course right (laughs) yeah right right. well Taryn I think they have an online store now Fish is Eddie so they do I need to check to see they I remember wanting to order more plates because at the time I didn't order that many or when I got married and so I remember thinking even then they didn't have it but I'm gonna go check just maybe maybe well maybe they have another color you love and you can mix them that might be cute. I do love that a mix. A good idea. Mm-hmm. I do love a mix. Thank you guys. Turning that one around. And then my <laughs> my triumph is, did I tell y'all we moved some of the figs from my backyard? No. Like, so oh, the tree, that's exciting. Just, yes, our fig trees that have been there for 50 years. They were planted over 50 years by David's grandfather. And um, they're big. It's like a big kind of, you know, gnarly kind of little bushel of them um they don't grow straight and perfect as you would think they just kind of go wild um anyway point being is we moved uh three big chunks of it not big but like enough that it had enough of a root system um and they we moved into the back corner um just in kind of preparation of like we don't know when we'll rebuild and stuff and so we just kind of wanted to move them so that we were hoping it will grow in a new mm-hmm. location in the yard. Protect um, them from construction. Yeah. yeah, because more than likely where they're at will be house. So um, potentially. So we just wanted to try to transport some of them across the yard. And that even those three little pieces are all growing leaves and have figs on it. So that's awesome. Oh, that's good. So that was super pumped. Yeah, and we did in um, this past weekend, we moved some yellow tags and irises and or yellow flag, sorry. And um, some lilies. So we cut a whole bunch of our plants in half and um, that had kind of got them bigger and bigger mm-hmm. um, and transport a bunch. Um, so that's good. Yellow flag? It's a very tall iris. It's kind of thin and it has a small flower. Um, and so it's got mm-hmm. really tall greens. It's taller than a, a traditional iris that you'd see like in someone's yard. Um, these were all gifts from my neighbors years ago and they've just fully grown up and like spread. And so I had to take them out. I love that you're keeping all of that. That's so sentimental. Okay. When did you do this? Like during nap time? Well, you know, he likes dirt. He's out there digging with her. <laughs> That's Is true. He, no, I'm actually genuinely curious. Like, was he like we started? We started during the beginning of nap time and then ended. He was awake and digging. And yes, that, that part was messier than you thought. I had to sacrifice a lot of dirt. A lot of potting soil was sacrificed for playtime. And you know what? <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So he tried to kill a few of the plants, of course, because... Anything that you can rip leaves off of is great. Yeah, right. Um, right. Um, but yeah, I was very proud of us. We did, got a lot moved and hopefully we got them in kind of a safe place that even if we don't want them there later, we can pull them up again. But if either of you want yellow flag and or any listeners, I have a ton. I don't um, know who that is, so I'll have to look me. it up. Okay. Well, but Tara, your Instagram's private, so they can't message you. They'd have to message Caroline or me. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. You guys True. know Great. how to reach me. Yes, everyone, please. Oh, they like email you at podcast. Oh, that's podcast true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Email. Don't don't DM Caroline based on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, you really yeah. could. I just. Yeah. <laughs> 
So that was mine this week. I was proud of myself. Yeah, yeah I am impressed. Very, very yeah. impressed. I'm too. Um, I mean, like, I have <laughs> to small struggling. things, but y'all, it's just nothing interesting that you want to hear about. I All guess, right. okay, if I really, okay, well, here was what, something that I was actually very, very sad about and annoyed. So... Once upon a time, I ordered my mom some replacement cushions for her outdoor chairs from Ballard for her, just because, you know, she didn't know, like, anyway, just don't rely on her to pick out the right cushion and the right size and the right color and the right type, you know, whatever. So I ordered them for her. Well, I guess her address in my hometown was the default shipping address in my account. Yeah. So I, I recently know. ordered some new lampshades because we'll – oh, did I, I don't think I told you that I did move. I ordered a 50-foot Ethernet cord, and we moved Will's office desk Good. into the guest room. Yes. That's a big – see, um, there you go. Yeah, okay. all the way from your living room through your kitchen to the guest room? Well, there's they're side-by-side side rooms, not through the kitchen. Oh, the black, the, the black room? Yes. Okay. So the black room into the guest room. Okay. Yeah. When you say living room, I think that's your big room off of your yeah, dining room. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That we that is oh. what we call the living room, and we call the black room the den. But um, yeah. So his office was in the den. He moved it into the guest room with a long Ethernet cord. But I ordered some lampshades from Ballard because I wanted to. I bought some lamps. I I talked about this a long time ago. I bought some blue lamps, the Bryn lamp, for our bedroom. But I never fully fell in love with the right lampshade. So I just took the shades off the guest room lamps and put them on our bedroom lamps just as a stop gap. Because you went to the lamp store and everything and you were very unhappy with the experience. Yes. I remember all that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I finally decided to, after seeing some shades that in our office that we showed just on a lamp, I was like, oh, actually, I really like those. So I ordered those. They weren't what I originally wanted, but I do like them. Well, I shipped them to my mom. And she kept them. Uh, yeah. So, and they're in ginormous, I mean, because they're lampshades, they're in ginormous boxes. Uh, and I just, I was like, don't spend $30 to ship them to me. That's, uh, anyways. So I had wanted to put the shades back on the guest room lamp so that he could have some lamps. <laughs> in the room anyway so that was just something very uninteresting but also really annoying so now mm. i have deleted her address from my account so i did <laughs> not actually ship her stuff i think you should order another pair and then when you get out of quarantine get them back from her and return to it's not like it's a lot of out-of-pocket expense and you could get your instant gratification true okay good idea i'll think That's about it i would operate or just have yeah. her return those or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I asked Will, and he was not upset about the lamps not having shade and not being able to use them. I don't think he really is concerned about the the <laughs> quality of lighting as as much as I am. So understandable. Yeah. My my triumph is not super triumphant. Um, because we just honestly, if I am like productive and tackling things, it's like just basic chores around the house that I'm finally Survival. getting to. Look, mine's so, a chalk marker, so it's not hard to talk. <laughs> okay, true. Okay, true. But I will say that we've, you know, had a lot of time to hang out around the house and, you know, talk about what we want to do. And I kind of have just been obsessing over, you know, like grand plans, things that we've wanted to do since we bought the house but haven't gotten to yet. And we thought we might do this spring or in the fall or, 
sometime this year. So we've just been planning, like Will did a little sort of um, planting plan for our yard that I'm really excited about. We sort of That's have been big. talking about a place we can build a playhouse for Blair. We've anyway, so we've we've been doing a lot of dreaming, and that's kind of what's keeping me going. That's fun, um, but like we're not making any progress on it. Obviously, well, the plan yeah. is a big part of the progress. You have to the, get your plan right, and sometimes it takes two or three iterations. So yeah. getting started that's on true. that is really a big piece of it. You but how great of a use of this time, Caroline? Like yeah. that's true. And all we've this time together, about, and you're focused on it versus when you're traveling and he's traveling, and you know life continues fast pace again. So, yeah, and we we talked about like okay, well, if it is like planting stuff, we can we can do that ourselves, and we're hoping that at some point we can things will ease up to the point where we can maybe have you know people come take care of Blair or like take her for the day, like his parents or something, so that we can have like a work day. But we'll see how we'll see if that if that happens. The problem too is that we sort of miss spring now, and spring is you either plant stuff in the spring or the fall. Right. But we're kind of getting to the end of that now. Yeah. It's about to be too hot. So I think we're going to have to wait till fall. But well, but I'm very excited about the vision in my head. So always looks so much better the next year. You That's know? true. Yeah. All plantings are very happy plantings, especially in yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, like I said, mine are not very exciting, but you know, <laughs> I like I'm them. here alive. So <laughs> I think that is a win. All right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, should we go to our guest? Yes, let's do it. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. All right. Our guest today is Sophie Donaldson. You may know her as the former editor of House Beautiful. She's also a... um, contributing writer for Business of Home and Apartment Therapy. She's a speaker. She's a consultant for design businesses. She was, um, well, I guess you published the best-selling book, Style Secrets at What Every Room Needs. And you've also been on shows like The Today Show, Good Morning America, Open House as a design expert. And um, you also appeared on our podcast many years ago, and it was one of my favorite episodes, actually. So thank you for being on the show, and um, welcome back. We are so happy to have you back. Thank you. I think How to Decorate was really what launched my career. It it was. It was the pinnacle (laughs) of all of us. Absolutely. (laughs) Girls, I'm happy to be back. Thank you. (laughs) So you you have moved since we last saw you. So last time we talked to you, we literally met in your fabulous New York office skyscraper and like the thousandth story (laughs) building and interviewed you. And now tell us where you're living, what you're doing. Girl, I miss that skyscraper. I miss that <laughs> office. Um, I yeah, we moved from New York City. We were living in um, Jackson Heights, Queens. Uh, my husband and I, and I have two kids, and we moved uh, this past July um, to Montreal, Canada, <laughs> Montreal, Quebec, Bye, girl. Canada. Um, and for those of you who are shocked and amazed to know where it is, it really is exactly due no- north of New York City. Back when we used to fly on planes, it was a <laughs> one-hour flight direct from LaGuardia or JFK. Um, 
yeah, a one hour flight north. And it's, uh, yeah, it's like a six, seven hour drive, six hour drive from um, New York City. Oh, that's easy. Okay. Yeah. But it seems like maybe it's a, it may only be one hour flight, but what is the culture yeah. shock difference? A thousand hour flight. <laughs> a million light years away. Um, it's different. I like, I really had it in my head. So by way of background, my, my family is in New England and, uh, particularly in Massachusetts and Maine. And we've been in New York, my husband and I for our whole adult lives, which is like on either side of 20 years. And Canada is right there, right? Like it's right there. And yet, (laughs) yet. It could be really far. So it's funny. I, you know, I've, I'd made that flight passage a number of times and um, done the drive actually from Maine, uh, from my family. We have no Canadian connections whatsoever. We have no, no nothing. And um, there was a work opportunity for my husband and it was open for a number of years. And when things uh, at House Beautiful started to devolve and then sort of blew up on one fine day, I went home and I was like, hey, is that like Montreal opportunity still open <laughs> and possible. And he's sort of been waiting for those words for a long time. It wasn't out of the blue. It had been a conversation for um, actually like three or four years. And the answer was maybe, let's see, let's see if we can get um, this client of his wanted him to work there, but there's a lot of paperwork involved in that. And so we put the wheels in motion uh, that next morning, really. So this is going back to October's. And this past July, we moved to Quebec with our family. Um, and yeah, it's been amazing. It totally feels like home already. And I am an enthusiastic, uh, you know, temporary Canadian and it's really, (laughs) really, really interesting to learn the culture and Quebec, for those of you that don't know is, you know, it's really a country within a country or they call it like a nation within a country, which is to say that it's, it is, you know, it's bilingual, it's French first, um, and then English. I'm learning French. Um, you are, I am, it is hard. I am 40. It is. Not easy. <laughs> it, is, it is. I mean, it is like, a, yeah. I don't know. The, the older you get away from age one, yeah. <laughs> I think it gets more challenging. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting different culture. But it's um, it's been fun. I'm Are you homeschooling your children in French? Oh my gosh, Karen, that sounds like <laughs> worse than even what I'm enduring right now. Um, no, to be honest, my my older is in second grade, um, and he has been. Lo and behold, struggling a little bit with English. <laughs> so we um, are doing a little Duolingo to make it fun for him. Um, but he has not been participating in French at his French school this year, which has been interesting. Um, mm. And we'll start next year, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, the culture is all around us. And so there's pretty easy ways to sort of, I don't know, watch Netflix in French and go to the supermarket. And once in a while, when I whip mine out, he's like, wow, mom. (laughs) 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 And today my three-year-old refused to apologize for a tantrum. And he told my husband that it was because he didn't speak French, but dad, I can't. I don't speak French. And he was like, I don't think your mom needs an apology in French. I think she just wants an apology (laughs) for the tantrum that you threw. Oh gosh. So anyway, that's a, that's a funny quirk of life here, but um, it's been fun. In some ways I think of it as like extreme new England, but then there's undoubtedly the European influence. I mean, it really, 
these people love their bread and their wine and their cheese and that whole kind mm. of like Epicurean gourmand thing is very, very real here. And yet it's also um, super rustic and kind of land loving and Canadian. And they exercise like crazy and they're winter runners. They wear those like ice pick, you know, sh- those like yeah. ice picks you wear on top of your boots. They really? wear them on their sneakers and they run like hillsides and mountains. It's a very, very sparkly wow. community. Anyway, this girl from super cool, and we have a pretty house, and it's lovely. Yeah, are they and in, in, are they as in, interested in interior design? So yeah, it's funny. I have some uh, un- unsurprisingly, my first and only friends were interior designers, um, <laughs> and well, it's funny. Like Garo Cadigan is a designer that um, splits his time between New York and uh, Montreal. And then I quickly met his friend, um, Valerie Morissette, who is an interior designer here and used to work at House and Home, which is sort of, it's very much like the House Beautiful equivalent, except for kind of, I don't know, bigger. Um, and Canadians really love, they really love home. They really, really do. Um, it's in their DNA. I think maybe because it's so cold outside. But like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We're not going anywhere. Um, so they really, they nest, you know. Um, so there's a really, in Montreal especially, there's a divide between English and French sensibilities. And that is very, very real and historically um, big and bloody battles and sieges and kidnappings and a a pretty ugly and long history um, throughout many, many centuries. And still kind of to this day, uh, there is English and French decorating here in Montreal. And so I live on the west side of town. It is the Anglo uh, neighborhood called Westmount. On the east side of town is Outremont, and the plateau, Outremont and the plateau, and they are um, francophone neighborhoods. And the francophone homes were built by uh, immigrants, uh, French, and in the style that they knew, which was beautiful wood and woodwork and great colors and um, a lot of charm, and quite frankly, awful for winter. <laughs> like if you, are, if you are really taking in a lot of snow and ice and heavy snow, guys, like real heavy snow, um, it's hard to keep up wood frame building in the kind of worker style of building mm-hmm. that was known to them. On the west side of town, the English hired the the labor force were Scots and they built um, masonry. And so that like stone, like timber frames and stone um, were how they built here. I feel like I'm telling like the three little pig story right now. Um, <laughs> wow, I'm interested. But, interesting. So, and so the vernacular from one side of town to the other is um, super unique. And there's a, you know, wonderful, um, you know, federal and like, uh, you know, corporate buildings downtown um, that are a mix of these sensibilities. But um, you really can kind of go from neighborhood to neighborhood and understand what the legacy um, of the immigrant population you know, was there and who the settlers were. And, and it's cool. And um, so anyway, I live amongst some of the grandest houses in all of Canada and Westmount, which is um, where you would find the Trudeaus live and um, all of the, the Desjardins family and the um, Bromfmans and all of the first families of Canada have mansions that are literally up the hill um, from my home. We live in the flats, as they call it. Like they call it the plateau on the east side, but here we just call it the flats. So I'm in the village and um, kind of like a duplex situation. Like there's like a twin brick Victorian house next to mine, um, like kissing, touching, they touch. Um, 
And yeah, I have the benefit of taking my jogs and runs up the hill adventurously and looking <laughs> at the most insane houses. And when with this pubs, maybe I'll throw like a nice little slideshow up my Instagram. Yes, shameless plug is Sophie Dow, D-O-W. Um, but I will give you a killer house tour of what's up here. And then yes. maybe I'll even throw some figures in and you can, and I'll do them in Canadian and U.S. What? And you'll just like cringe. That. You'll just die. It's very, you know, it's actually not super different than kind of those, the grandest neighborhoods in Buckhead, you know, where but you just try, where you drive slow and you're like, oh my you're God. You're like, who oh, lives there? Yeah. Yeah. But Sophie, yeah. how did you discover all of that about the neighborhoods? How did you figure out, oh, this is why this looks this way? And oh, because I'm a journalist. Why. I just ask questions. Oh, you just, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. talk to people. What? Chatting people yeah. up. Chatting up. I have okay. a great, I, I like, because it gets, because my friends are architects and designers. Um, and that's, yeah. And then I keep getting introduced to them, right? You end up in your bubble and they're like, oh, my friend is American. You should meet them. I'm like, but I just left America. Mm. <laughs> maybe, I want, maybe I want Canadian friends. Honestly, my husband picked it, which is uh, so cool of me to let happen, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Greg, Greg has had... Um, You're so chill, Sophie. I'm so, yeah, I'm so the opposite of chill. I'm like the least chill. Um Greg's client here. He works for a think tank uh, called the New Cities Foundation, which studies um, urbanism in cities. And there is, which is to say, they're very pro pro city and pro urban living. And one of the um, challenges of I don't have to tell you about the challenges of urban living. You know them. A lot of people, a lot of you have lived in cities and then maybe left or live in them and and know some of the frustrations um, that are there, especially sometimes with raising kids and and having some space to breathe, or you know, being like me, like a collector hoarder type, and you're like. Oh my gosh, I'm running out of rooms to put crap in. Um, where do we go? <laughs> <laughs> so interestingly, you know, Montreal interested him as a city, um, but also his client is here. And so when he would visit, um, they recommend a couple neighborhoods to you. You know, don't you ever play that game? You're like, if I lived in New York. If I mm-hmm. lived in San Francisco, what yes. neighborhood would I live in? Mm-hmm. And you're like, obviously it would be Pack Heights or Knob Hill. And then your friend, local friend is like, you've got to be kidding. Never. Like, you, can, <laughs> you can never afford that. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, shoot. Um, but he, he knew this neighborhood. He knew this neighborhood. And it's sort of a no-brainer for people that would recommend the city because it is really good family living and it's really pretty. And, you know, at the time, the American dollar does go far in Canada. And most of my clients are still American and half of his are. And so, yeah, that could be a nice little perk. But We'll see how all that goes in the coming <laughs> months and years, entering a different time right now. Yeah. Well, okay. So the one of the reasons, of course, we were just excited to catch up with you, but one of the reasons that we wanted to reach out and have you on the show is because you just um, published a article in the New York Times that we wanted to talk about because... I loved it. And I honestly have been telling everyone that I talked to about it and how they should read it. And I was just hoping maybe you could give everyone a summary of just sort of the general gist of the article. And of course, we'll link to it in the show notes of this episode so everyone can go read it. But um, yeah, say the title. Give people a summary. Caroline, say the title. Yeah. So, self quarantine is no time for an Instagram ready kitchen. Preach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I would love to preach. My gosh, I've been waiting for somebody to ask me forever. Right? We are giving you a <laughs> Finally. Okay, so 
where to begin? So, um, <laughs> well, you know, because it's true. Because this is honestly this art. This article is um, it's relevant for right now. I hope it's relevant in years from now. Um, and it really is sort of like a bit of my platform. It's what I do. Um, public speaking up, you know, up until we all were at home for a little bit, um, had been my main line of work, um, talking to groups, both like trade and industry groups in the design industry, but actually, um, a lot of different, uh, corporations, companies, and special interest groups, like women's groups that were, you know, interested in living and decorating and really, you know, treating the home as something that deserves a hearty conversation as you all here, um, agree. So, I, at the beginning of, let's say this is like mid-March, at the beginning of quarantine, when most of us started to bunker down, um, I, like many people, thought about doing an Instagram live show. And unlike many people, started it immediately. Um, and then, you know, it took all of two weeks before every single other person jumped right on as well. Um, and it's a super fun medium. And I started doing a show called um, Big Book Small Talk. And the idea was to get people from the design community and around there to um, bring on one of the books that maybe they are finally actually cracking. We all collect these gorgeous books and I, you know, buy Mm -hmm. all of the decorator coffee table books. um, And yet we like spend too much time on our phone. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, hey, as long as our phone is around, but also we're home with these great books, let's have a conversation a little bit um, about something that we've learned or an unknown book or just, I don't know. It was a way to enter a conversation. So I had this chat with Justina Blakeney, the um, influencer and designer and artist uh, out in LA. And Justina uh, is an old like professional friend and we've always gotten kind of along on a, I hesitate to say spiritual level. Um, and that we also believe that, you know, art and the things that we live with hold a lot of resonance. They hold a lot more than just sort of being pretty, um, and they can be meaningful and they can create meaningful experiences. So I had this chat with her and I was sort of doing the post show recap, right? I was going to do a little Instagram story about some of the things we talked about and it just kept getting bigger and I kept having these like big ideas. And my frustration sometimes with Instagram is that I want to have these really hearty, I don't know, substantive thought provoking conversations. And I feel like people are just really in it for like topiary gardens and like kittens, you know, I just, I don't, <laughs> it's yeah. not, it's just sometimes not the place. And I find it really limiting and really frustrating. Um, and it's one of the limitations I found being a magazine editor as well is that when you do work in the shelter and the design space that you're drawing people in with these really, you know, gorgeous photos and you hope that they stick around and read and listen, but it's not always granted to you. Um, so I started doing this Instagram story and then I, I bust into the kitchen and I'm like, ugh, I have these big thoughts to my husband. And I'm like, and I, I don't think it's an Instagram story. I'm like, it might be an essay. And mind you, for those of you at home, although I came up through the ranks as a journalist and a writer, I don't like writing, you know, like it's <laughs> like, everyone's like, writing's hard. I'm like, I know. And they're like, you're a writer. And I'm like, writing's even harder for writers, you guys, because we have to be good at it. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You have no excuse. Yes. No, like writing is hard for you. It's hard for me to now make it better. It's like, then you have to just write like four times as much as you normally write to cut out three, you know, three times of it and just get back to your one time. So yeah, newsflash, most writers don't like, aren't in it for like the art. It's just, for <laughs> me, it's always been, 
I, sh- I shouldn't say most writers, a lot of journalists are really passionate about stories and they're passionate about communication and they're passionate about telling stories, especially of communities and people that don't necessarily get the voice, right? That, I don't know, that I get. So I'm like, I think it's an essay. And to Greg and I, this is like doom, right? Because we can't really afford to be journalists these days. It's really, it's really punishing. It's really, mm-hmm. I, mean, I was telling my, <laughs> I was telling my therapist earlier today, um, something about, you know, just sort of, mm, the scary idea that public speaking could go the way of journalism right now, which is that there was XYZ fee for showing up in person and doing it and having the charisma and like being there to network afterwards. And I don't know, being up on stage. And then it's like, Oh, here's like a third of that fee to do it digitally. But Mm. what if the real thing never comes back and magazines went through this? They're like, Oh, well, if you want to be in print, it's going to be X thousand dollars for an ad, but like, oh, digital is only like blah thousand and like, sure, we'll throw in an Instagram. And then lo and behold, it corroded the business model. This is a long wind up to my New York Times story, but I do think it's, it's worth mentioning no, to the audience. We're, so we're in for it. It's actually, it's really, it's really scary for creators to the move to digital doesn't always sort of pay off and like get you back. It's like, yeah, a lot of those prestige writers that were writing for prestige dollars for prestige magazines that that just doesn't exist anymore. And mm-hmm. the money's not really made up in the meantime with other things. So anyway, lo and behold, I'm like, I have an essay, but like, oh, God, does this mean I have to pitch and write something? And he was like, babe, send it to the New York Times, like, um, op-ed section. And I was like, oh, sure. Yeah, I'll just get on that. <laughs> but, I, but reader, I did, and they took it. So nice. I, I was so kind of inspired that, and what you have to do with op-eds, like when you have a timely idea, like, I mean, honestly, like the president gives a press conference or like there's an idea, like you write it that night and you turn it in that night and you hear from an editor that next morning. Like when, when you count, when they, when, when, either when they like it or when you count enough that you're going to get an email back. And op-ed is so exciting to write for that reason, because from literally inception of my idea to publication in the New York Times, it was like three days. Like that, and that's inconceivable for that to happen and for such a big machine. So, so the idea was basically that I really felt at this moment seeing Instagram. So this is this is let's say we're like in week two of quarantine, right? And end March, and I'm watching people. Um, on Instagram and hearing anecdotally, just kind of like wrestle with their spaces. They're working from home potentially for the first time. And um, they are like having to make these like makeshift desks and this like, uh, just like these concessions or like, oh my God, their spouse is at home, their kid is at home or they're home alone. Like they're, you know, they're used to leaving and now they're like faced, they're seeing for the first time time what their bedroom looks like in afternoon light, right? Because maybe they live in a city and they're like all day brunchers or something, or they work out a lot and they're always out of the house. And they've actually never even seen that like dusty corner. I mean, do you ever see that? You're like, oh my God, I don't think I've ever been in this room at this time of day to see this moment. And like, oh my God, the light is splendid or like, God, I should stay home more often in the morning. Like this is lovely. Or it was just this whole new lens, right? And I felt... At the same time, like people were trying to figure out where to work, how to work, how to make life. And it, I got frustrated because I felt almost complicit in this idea that of all the books and all the magazines and all the home TV shows and the podcasts and all this like huge plethora of material about how to live and how to live a beautiful life, 
that people, editors like me, hadn't prepared the world to know how to stay at home and work and just stay at home. And it really bummed me out and it really boggled my mind. And I actually, I felt a extreme and urgent sense of um, guilt and like neglect. And like I had used a platform, not incorrectly, but that I had missed that I'd missed something. And so, and I hadn't really missed it. I mean, to be honest, if you'd read my editor's letter, mm. is that house beautiful? Or um, if you follow my Instagram now, like, you know, these things, you might be like, oh no, you wrote, you know, a lot about what home can do for you um, other than just being, you know, beautiful. And so the essay really talked about, I mean, what? It talked about that. I think that this idea that home media, all of that, all of the TV shows, this, that, and the other has two messages. One, if you, you know, that the object should be beautiful and it should be beautiful for you, but it really should also be beautiful for other people or beautiful for your Instagram or um, beautiful the way that you think it should be beautiful. So like, for example, there's been a big trend in dressing for women about finally dressing for ourselves. And there's been a lot of female designers that have that, you know, have always made clothing and continue to make clothing that make women feel powerful and good, but aren't necessarily for the male gaze, right? Like, I remember at the beginning of House Beautiful, when I would dress, I think I had sort of an antiquated idea of what beauty and power should look like, right? And to me, and also like, I like cocktail dresses, because it's one, you just pick a dress, and then shoes that you like with the dress, and you are done dressing. And same, same, thing with, same thing with jumpsuits. But let's say like, I was wearing a lot of waistlines, this is clearly before my second baby. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I but it was sort of like, this is what I thought an editor in chief was supposed to look like I will I watched all the rom coms, you know, and I, you know, and I swan around her. And I saw, yeah, sculptural. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like, that there was just sort of this idea or that even, even form, not like, not tight, but like form fitting, like slim and and like, like together. And later I saw other female leaders that I was like, Oh my God, she's actually wearing sneakers and really wide pants that have an elastic waistband, but also layered with a jacket and a shirt and good jewelry and like a great lipstick. And she looks totally together and totally comfy. Like, what am I doing in these heels? Like, I started to feel ridiculous about this. And so I talk about this because I think that our, I think that we have more flexibility and bandwidth to make our homes something that make us feel good and are also comfy and that, and that reflect us. Yeah. But that it doesn't have to be for someone else's gaze. That if we spend a lot of time idealizing the Ballard catalog, your favorite Instagram or your favorite influencer, the magazines, you're not necessarily going to find your way. You can find inspiration there. Absolutely. Like go there, look for it, lust after it, love it, buy it. But when you put it together, could there maybe be, um, an alternative way of authoring it that didn't necessarily conform to the same floor plan or the same vibe that you've seen everywhere else that might you be, might you play with it? Might you say like, I like jackets, but I actually like untucking a shirt under my jacket because it just, it looks a little different and it makes me feel comfy and I don't like waistbands or whatever it is like that. There could be just this, this approach. And I felt like, yeah, that the messages that the media have been sending is one, there's a prescriptive look and there's a prescriptive look for everybody. If you want to be boho and like, you know, in a house full of ferns, you can do that. If you want to, you know, do bunny Williams redux, you can do that. Like there's all sorts of 
room, you know, for your style. But it was one that, and it was to this idea that your home should somehow be a major um, investment for you, or it should pay you back, which I think is one of those things that, you know, an Airbnb type mentality or house flipping has said, which is that put all of your money and all of your stock into this enormous investment. And if you do it right and like retile your bathroom with all white subway tile, you'll sell it for more. And we know that this is a great lie that brought us into uh, our previous disastrous recession. And that that's just, our home is our home. It's for living in. It's not to say you did it and it's not to prove something and it's not to make money off of like, and Mm -hmm. any other way that you enter home is going to end in tears. Mm -hmm. And so I yeah, that was like the, you know, the tip of it. And that, yeah, that basically experimentation is the way right now. You should try different things with your home. You should move. Like I said, you know, there's some, I don't know, I should do a dramatic reading, but there was some moment where I was sort of started <laughs> rattling off, you know, these ideas of move a chair to the sunniest spot in your home. And if you like who you're living with, move another one. <laughs> like, right. find Otherwise, do not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you found the sunny spot and you don't, and you want to be alone, just move one chair. And yes. make sure it blocks the, all the sun. Um, <laughs> and, and, then, and then bring a table over. And if you don't have a small table, bring a stack of books. Like make yourself a perch. Like do what cats do, mm-hmm. right? They're like, I'm going to gravitate to this really warm spot over here. They find the sunny spot on the floor that's been pre-warmed for them. Like we have to let our houses work for us and stop, you know, I guess sort of um, not falling victim to, but being bossed around by our right. spaces. And well, that- They're meant meant for working on. So One of your lines I loved was, is this place working for me? Are my needs being met? Is my house with me or against me? Almost like it's a person. Are you on my side? If you're not on my side, come get on my side and do what I need you to do. Be my tool. So back at House Beautiful, I started when we were doing these, um, they were called the Whole Home Project and um, House Beautiful still doing it. And they did a really cool version asking a lot of, a lot, like a multiplicity of voices of designers and thinkers and cool people to do the last project, which was so smart because there are so many, there's so many different ways to make homework for you. And the idea like initially started with that home should be, home be, can be prescriptive for a great way of life for you. And what I mean by that is you can have a family room that your family enjoys and you can have a kitchen that is arranged in a way that makes eating healthy, which i.e. just involves chopping a lot of vegetables all the time, less sucky, right? Like, and and two tips, you need every counter space available and open, which means storage for everything else or tucked away. And you need more light than you think. Most kitchens are criminally underlit, I think. And the second you add another light, you're like, hey, it's not so awful in here. <laughs> like it's, right. you know, and I say this for people that have, you know, a lot of people have cramped kitchens or galley kitchens where you live in a city and it's just, there's limited space. So, you know, you can make these little tweaks and ideas. Like I used to talk about, you know, putting something like if you really want to get to that like 6 a.m. yoga class or um, yoga Zoom, you, uh, you know, put your clothes together the night before, have a station for your bottle of water, have your computer charged and open, like make, make, set everything up for you to succeed and your house can help you do that. Um, And that also like everything can be returned to its place. You know, like why not experiment with rearranging the furniture? Like one of the first things I tell you, it was like not even day five in the house where I'm like, 
okay, roll up the rugs. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> when was the last time we rolled up this rug? My husband's like, okay, we've only been living in this house for six months. Like we just <laughs> unrolled the rug. I'm like, well, it's being rolled up. We're going to use, ba- like, we're going to see what bare floors lives like. You know, like I haven't had bare floors under my feet for a little while and it's almost spring. There's only snow every third day here, you know, like, um, and let's move the sofa to the other side. And like, was the sofa successful? I moved it, you know, 180 degrees facing. So the sofa faces where the sofa used to be. Is the sofa successful in its new spot? No, it's totally not. But it gave me a new perspective. I like look out the window now in a different kind of way. And the kids play in a different spot. And I was able to find one or two nooks in the room that gave like a different vantage point. So now like there's a really great seat that looks into the the dining room with a cool view that didn't exist before that because it just that the view didn't exist. And so it was just a way of like, I don't know, changing up your foot pattern, changing up what it feels like and just getting out of the rut of like where your home ceases to be a person. It's sort of like, you know, when spouses don't try hard with each other, they just don't listen to each other and they're not really open to surprises. This is like a way of reinvigorating your marriage with your home. Like mm-hmm. you have to change it up. You need a drastic haircut. Sure. Maybe you need to need a dramatic, you know, weight loss or a new hobby or a new passion or to surprise your spouse and be like, actually I'm doing this. And they're like, huh. So you do have a little bit of mystery left to you, don't you? You know, like, like write it out. And I think, I think that relationship with our homes are, are real. We can stop seeing them. We can start like, you know, it's, a fresh eye. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was much longer than the essay, guys. If I were you, I would skip, 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 fast forward on the podcast and just read the New York Times essay. No, they're both great because I think a lot of what what you didn't really touch on a very much a little bit at the beginning was sort of the 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 pretend thing that happens where everyone wants to act like their home is perfect and it's mm-hmm. like come on y'all it's not and it doesn't need to be you know that the instagram part of it yeah. um it's it it's it's there to be your tool. It's there to work for you. And we believe in beautiful things because when we look at beautiful things, they make us happy. Totally. Now, they're not there to make everybody on Instagram happy. And they're, they're just right. there for you. For make you happy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Although they really can do both. I remember, um, oh, I missed space on the name of it, but um, Teddy Roosevelt's summer home had these famous, uh, you know, um, Chinese, you know, export wear blue and white urns, you know, flanking the door. And they used to keep tennis balls in them because they were avid tennis players. And I just, I just remember hearing that detail and loving it because I was like, yeah, they are beautiful and they look sculptural and they look like the proper entryway and they were filled with something that they loved. And so on the way out the door, you just lift that lid and grab your ball and go out to the court. Yes. Would we all be so lucky? (laughs) (laughs) But I love approaching a problem like that. You know, when you're looking around your house and you're like, "Uh, this happened yesterday. Joe has a bar. I'm looking at it across the room here. And there's a million random little shot glasses from all over. Some are beautiful little antiques. Some are like literally plastic red Solo cups, all kinds of junk like that. And they're sort of everywhere. And coming up with an idea of like, how can we corral this? into something pretty, you know, probably contained 
It's going to go in a cabinet, but it, it serves a purpose. There's nothing precious in that basket, but the basket can be pretty and it can serve a purpose and hold everything in That's there. Right. And you can extrapolate that into a million things in your house. Even getting that one little corner that you're talking about, start with that. Get your one little perfect corner and get that perfect uh-huh. and it makes you happy and branch out from there. You don't have to do a whole room. You don't have to. First right. of all, it's never going to all be right. It's constantly, right. by the time you finish, you're going to start over and you're going <laughs> to, you're going to fall in love with something new, but you know, start totally. tiny if you're intimidated. The fallacy of all of this is like, yeah, start with a James Carter or a Gil Schaefer house. And like, yeah, yes. you can put like dumpy yeah, anything dog in there. and mm-hmm. a pedestal table in it and it's going to glow, you know, right. like, Oh my God, look at that. Cause the light is fabulous. Cause they cited the house correctly and the windows are right. And it, you know, yeah, you know, architecture and, and natural light are the big lie about all interiors magazines. Like we don't, we, you know, <laughs> I started crediting architects when I started working at house beautiful and it, cause it wasn't, it, it was sort of editor by editor and they decided. And, um, that's horrifying <laughs> that architecture isn't a bigger part of the stories. Cause that's, yeah, you just, I mean, and, and interior designers would say as much too. You can yes, only get agreed. so far on um, the balance stuff. Yeah. Uh, often, they, yeah, they talk about they're trying to fix the mistakes that were made when True. it's built poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And we see a lot of that in the dilemmas that um, people send into us, you know, rooms that there aren't any walls or where, where am I going to sit or like, where do I, it's happened. Like, how are you going to use this room? There there's yeah. literally, it's a family room with nowhere to put a television. I mean, come right. on. What were you thinking here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Only acceptable in a home built before the 1950s. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and in which case, very acceptable. And also TVs are out, Karen. Everyone's got a screen in their lap. I want to know about your lavender walls because I love them. And I want to hear about the decision making behind them because you also have what taupe colored molding. Correct. Am I getting that back? Yes. Because I remember seeing that undecorated on your Instagram. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, What's I want to see how this ends up. Yeah. But it ended up great. Talk it out. Talk it out. Okay. I picked, so we, um, it's weird. So they have a, a rental season here in Montreal. I guess a lot of cities do. I wasn't really familiar with this. July 1st to July 1st, hard stop. I, in college towns, I know we have like a lot of September rentals. No. In Montreal, if you rent, your rental is July to July, hard huh. stop. That's it. So I was like, I'm like, how does that work with moving companies and like painting? I yeah. this, has not been, this has not been answered for me, but ask me on July 1st and I'll tell you. <laughs> So we picked this um, from the internet. We were like late. So all of the rentals come up around mid-May or like uh, mid-April and you see what's on the market and then you start doing your negotiations and you figure it out. And so uh, we were late picking a home in June. There were like two left in the neighborhood that we wanted with the bedrooms that we wanted. And we're like, I guess we'll choose the one that's not on the hill. (laughs) The hill seemed daunting to walk with a two-year-old. So we picked this and then I was like, planning to paint and talking to the landlord about it. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And got really, and she like kind of like Googled me or something. and was like, oh my gosh, you like decorating. So do I. And like, she got really excited about it and like sure choose paint colors. And then she totally backtracked. It was like, lavender. I think, she, I think she actually saw a picture of my Jackson Heights home back in New York, which had like aubergine walls and one room. And like, there was a lot of color going on there. It was like a, it's like a Farrow and Ball fan deck in real life. So 
she got like intimidated about it. So I was like, I am basically going to have to pick a version of white that like, and also with a name, right. That doesn't like throw you off mm-hmm. Not like merengue lavender. You have to be able to be like, Oh, it's white, but like they just call it merengue lavender. It just has like a little chocolate to it. You, know, like, you can't like, how am I going to convince this woman to paint? So I chose these chips on a fan deck back in New York City, like in the light for light and natural of like, even I couldn't quite figure out what was north facing, south facing. So honest to God, any color you choose and then pull the trigger and just paint it, you're going to be psyched because painting any room, anything makes you happy. Like your trades, trade secret. Like if it's vaguely within fighting distance of a color that might work, you're fine. And so what (laughs) happened in this house was that this house was painted. It was all white downstairs and there's these terrific moldings and you don't get actually, I think the true depth of great moldings. If they're white, you don't have enough, there's not enough depth to it. So you need to add some pigment, right? It's like contouring your face, you know, like you add a little, little pigment just to like see what's happening there. I don't know. The, the putty on the moldings is too dark. It's, it, it's, it's several tones too dark. It should be lighter, but I did want a contrast of not the same tone, right? So not the same value. Correct. I did not want the same value. I needed a darker value um, than the walls. And, but you know what? I've loved it. I did the dining room, the living room that with, um, you know, this like too dark putty, on the molding. Um, and it's delightful. I love it. And when I don't love it, it'll be painted something else. And then upstairs, so upstairs, you know, this is, it's actually so fun to go back to, to renting in a way. I know that home ownership is the dream that we're all supposed to have, but having owned a home, it's really nice not to own a home anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. upstairs, (laughs) all of the bedrooms were, there's three bed. there's like a, yeah, three bedrooms and a guest bedroom. They were all like one step away from a color I would have chosen, (laughs) which is to say like, I'm not going to say wrong, but I am going to say like, there would be something in that family that I would like. This wasn't exactly it. But then I thought of it another way, which is like, wow, these are one step away from what I already would have chosen. Like, I'll live with it. You just said if you're sort of in the ballpark, it'll be fine. Exactly right. And out of four contradicting yourself. Yeah. And out of four rooms. There's one, yeah, there's one that I would like to paint. And that's it. Nice. That's the pretty other good. The I, mean, I did, which I love, is that we use the sunniest, brightest, biggest room as the playroom because, and not the master bedroom. It's the master bedroom. It has master bedroom closets in it. It has a master bedroom mirror in it. It has room for the TV. It has room for a master headboard. And we live in a smaller bedroom because, honestly, like our bedroom is basically like used for sleep and assorted other things and (laughs) (laughs) and and like that's it and so we keep our clothing in the large playroom uh closets and the playroom is where we quote-unquote live because light was really important to me especially in the winter and especially with kids i i know that i can't just like put my kids in the basement and they're just going to be there i'm going to live in the basement if my kids are in the basement i'm mm-hmm. little one's three years old so i took the glorious bright room upstairs and i put all their toys in there and so when they play there i don't hate my life and so i put a sofa that i like there and a chair that i like there 
And that is, yeah, I don't feel punished by going to the playroom. You know what I mean? Yeah, smart. Yeah, that is true. So that was another, another small victory. And then that meant the kids went in like the tiniest bedroom ever. It is a dormitory. We have an Ikea <laughs> bunk bed for the two of them. And the contents of their bedroom is a rug, the Ikea bunk bed, and a little um, like tray table for diapers. And oh my God, my year olds and still in diapers. And so the dormitory, <laughs> it has one window, which means it's easy to black out. And it now has a small Bluetooth speaker hidden near the window. So they listen to stories before bedtime. And it's just for bed. There's no toys in there. There's no crap. And it's super peaceful. Isn't that cute? It is cute. It really actually feels like a little like ship. I don't know. A little, yeah, a little cabin. It's sweet. The idea of having a bedroom for sleeping is almost unheard of anymore. <clears throat> yeah, you have to have a, I'm a big seating area and you have to have like all TV of these other things. Yeah, like you don't. It's really just to sleep. I like you girls are all and in various like, other things, as you say. Yeah, various other things. Um, you guys are all in richly painted rooms. Is that right? Can yes, you believe I this? Know. They all have matching blue walls. Mm-hmm. So I, these girls, for those of you at home, have these like almost mallard, deep green. Yes. Is, it, is it all, they're all yeah. within peacock blue. Peacocky blue. Peacock mm-hmm. blue. And we all talked about it and none of us, like, I think I was the first. Are you going to be upset if I like Taryn's the most? No. Is it just because of your millwork, Taryn? Yeah, like, she has. Some cool- yes. That was, Taryn, really tell cool. her what that it's room was ugly, before. My ugly wood planked room yeah. is. I finally went, like you said, I Pharaoh and Ball, of mm-hmm. course, and um, inspired me, I should say. Anyway, and yeah, and there's a whole bunch of mustard in here to go with the deep, but it's like the deep oh, dark room with the 1950s windows just on the one side back here. I love it. No, like I love kind it. Of cave most so of the day. I'm a, I'm a really big fan. Like I have, a, I have very strong opinions on paint color and, and how mm-hmm. to choose because I think that a lot of people – choose paint color on Saturday morning when they have time to like sit down in this beautiful natural light and go to the hardware store and like lay out the paint chips. And they do this whole like exercise in a time of day in a room that they would never be in. Mm -hmm. And the rest of us spend most of our quiet time after work at night in these rooms. And I think if you choose an off white or a pale gray that you're like, is it too dark? Answer, no, it's not too dark. Right. Then you choose this in the light. And then at night, you know what color white, off white looks like? It looks dingy. It looks dirty. Like mm-hmm. and people don't talk about this. And I will tell you why magazines don't talk about it. It's because it's really hard to pull off a night photo shoot. You can't photograph at night without looking like page rents, 1986 AD with like yellow lamps. Yes. Yes. Gross in the nighttime. It looks like creepy bordello town. It's like not okay. So <laughs> that true. is actually just really, really hard to show. And everyone goes to these hotels and lounges and nightclubs and restaurants. They're like, oh my God, have you been to that? Yeah. You're, like, you're like, yeah, it's magic. And you're like, yeah, they have a bazillion lights that are all like three watts. Yes. Straight up. <laughs> Candle lights, mm-hmm. twinkle yes. lights, glow. Table side lights, glow. Mm-hmm. The walls are dark, typically because restaurants are not always graced with great architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just like that vibe and that glow happening. And like you can't get like you can get that glow. You can happen. And so I'm a huge fan of I love a bedroom that's a little bit like it was just like, I don't know dunked in the inkwell. I think yes. that, that idea of going to a womb mm-hmm. at night and 
tucking into something that feels safe and secure and dark, quite frankly, like dark, deep, yes. rich is really nice. Other Caroline's people, room is, that's your bedroom. A ritual of waking up on a Saturday or Sunday morning or even a weekday and reading the paper or reading your book or meditating or, you know, if you have a practice of mornings in your bedroom, sure, you can do the cloud bedroom. You can do the white and pale blue bedroom. I think if you are like, I think most of us and you have a book, TV, phone, other things habit at night, (laughs) you should do a deep womb-like sexy cosseting bedroom. That's my take. Okay. Well, I think that on that note, it is time to answer some decorating dilemmas. Let's do it. Okay. The first one is from Judy. She says, going to paint my existing kitchen cabinets. They are good quality, perfect condition. We want to go lighter. Have been getting estimates. Some suggest paint, some just suggest spraying. So which is best and what paint finish is desired for kitchens? Okay. Caroline, did you go? Yes. You got something? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert, but I did hire a good painter and I will tell you that he brushed on the, you know, boxes that are on the wall, yeah. right? He left those, brushed those on, and then he took all the doors off to his shop and sprayed them so that they have a more factory kind of hard finish, finish and there's yeah. no strokes in it. It's, it looks mm-hmm. like they were made that way. I would say he probably used semi-gloss and he used an oil paint. I know he used oil um, because oil is harder than latex. You know, it has more durable, more like mm-hmm. a, I think nail polish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Lacquer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. Seems so far so good. It's only been what, eight months or something, but um, Karen, you had yours painted. What about you? I, I've done a, I've painted myself and oh. I've had them painted. Oh. So when I was in my youth, a hundred years ago, I did paint my own cabinets and it was in a rental and I took them down and brushed and sanded and brushed and sanded. So you can get a beautiful finish with brushing. Uh, it just is very labor intensive. So you want to, you know, make sure that, that they are doing a lot of sanding between coats and that kind of thing. Otherwise you're going to see the brush strokes and that is not what you want in a kitchen cabinet. Um, I, my current kitchen, I had sprayed and I agree that um, it gives you more of a, a factory finish. Sounds kind of awful. Yeah, it but sounds terrible, but it's like there's no stroke to it. There's it's, no stroke to it. It's very smooth. And uh, I think it's more durable. I don't know if it's more durable, but it feels more sleek. And I definitely think you want a semi-gloss. You know, you d- it's going to be easier to clean. Anything glossier than that might look a little cheese waddy. I don't know. It might get and a little fingerprints. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then if you go matte, that's harder to clean. It's more porous. So, uh, and I think if you are getting it done professionally, I would say have them spray it and use oil. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it Love yourself, it. there's a lot of other options, but it's a lot of work. A lot, <laughs> a lot of work. To do it right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm, I, for my future days, it was spraying too. Always yeah. spraying. Well, and plus a lot of times, and obviously not everyone does this. I did do it, and but 
a lot of times people are going to change their cabinet hardware if you're, um, yeah, you know, painting your cabinet. Sure. And so mm-hmm. if you do that, then you're going to have to fill, you're more than likely going to have to fill a hole, putty it, all that jazz. And that, I mean, that's a, that is also a lot of work and a lot of room for error, especially if you don't get it just perfectly smooth, you'll be able to see the old holes and I mean, sure. I think it's so worth it to have someone who is who knows what they're doing do it for yeah. you. Then you can I think blame just someone like, else. Yeah, also just like 10 points for um, getting estimates and getting it done. I mean, I think right. I love, I lo- no, because I love DIY, but I also think that there are, <laughs> I think that it, when you can afford it and I trust professionals, like I think, yeah, right. I think, yeah. I think we're so lucky. <laughs> to have people well, that will take that on. Well, we had, we, when we had Chip Wade on, do you guys remember this? We were at, cause he's a big DIYer yeah. and, you know, he builds his own house and blah, blah, blah. And we asked him, how big is too big for a DIY project? And he said, if it will take you more than a weekend, you should not do it yourself. And that's definitely more than a weekend's worth of work. Yeah. Really? Also, oh. I think, know thyself. Yes. Um, I personally know that if I'm going to do a DIY project on my own, I will get it to 80%. Oh, me too. And then I'll be like, oh, it's fine. It's up there. I'm not redoing it. Mm -hmm. I just, it's done. I just want it done. And so that may not necessarily leave me satisfied in the end. And for something like kitchen cabinets, which I'm going to be dropping pasta sauce on, banging into, my kid is like slamming her Legos or whatever. Into or you're all looking at it every yeah. day and touching it. Ugh. I need it to be done better than I am capable of doing myself because I am just not detail-oriented enough yeah. to do it perfectly. Some people mm-hmm. are. Yeah. And if you are and you like to DIY stuff, then by all means. But you she didn't even it, say she was. No, she I think didn't. we just, no, just put mean, that on her. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure someone out there, you know, is very meticulous and maybe doesn't have the budget but still wants to paint. Yeah. If you are capable of it. Yeah. Then you do it. Yeah. Patient and thorough for a kitchen cabinet. And mm-hmm. it makes such a big difference. Do it. It does. Do it any which way you can. I'm so excited that she's painting them. So good for you, girl. Yeah. Do it. Good job. Judy. <laughs> Okay, the next one is from Kristen. She has a lovely home. And she writes, Hello, ladies. I've spent so much time listening to your podcast. I feel like we're friends. We are. We are. Um, Hey, Kristen. (laughs) I'm sure you hope you can help me with a decorating dilemma that's been on my mind for way too long. Over a year ago, right before my eldest son left for college, we completed our unfinished space upstairs in order to give our children more room to spread out and finally have their own bedrooms. I've attached a few pictures of the very small bedrooms, about 9 by 11, that we created for my oldest son. The size of the room isn't really an issue as he really only spends breaks at home and has a good-sized closet outside the room. The room serves its purpose, but room feels unfinished in so many ways. The only thing there it, that must stay is the large periodic table. He's a chemistry major. Cute. And the desk and chair for a space to work, which is really cute. Here's my questions. I would like to keep the walls white. Should I paint the ceiling the same charcoal color color as the door or leave it the natural wood tone which picks up the wall art? Do you have a recommendation for a bed frame that would work well in the space? I can turn the bed so that the headboard is against the window, but I feel like the headboard would need to stay low. 
The blank wall below the very high shelf is supposed to have a sliding ladder, something else that we haven't gotten around to completing. We did the majority of the construction work ourselves, which I applaud. Me um, too. The um, last question is, I love the green lamp and would like to pull in that color elsewhere in the room. He has lots of plants in his dorm room and we'll, bring, we'll be bringing those home for the summer. So I also need a place to be able to put those. Most are in small containers. I still am reading. I think he's growing pot in his yes. dorm. That's what I'm <laughs> yes. oh, I love this guy any which way. I love it. I a love it. Major with a plant collection is like right. <laughs> it's wonderful. Call um, me. So uh, <laughs> I would love to be able to wrap this project up in May, so that when he returns, it has a much cozier and homey feel. Also, this is where our occasional guests spend the night, which is a good note. Um, Another okay. good note is Ten Bucks says he is home right now. Yeah. Right? Yes, he yeah. is. He's home. I'm sorry we've thwarted your plan to get this done before he gets home. But luckily, our our plan is easy to put into action. First all of right. all, I'm so excited about the plants, but I bet they're not in cute enough containers. Uh-uh. And I would recommend um, even just going to the going to the hardware store. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. essential business, maybe. Um, even like uh, you know those just like aluminum pails. Yeah, like just super simple. Find one kind of vessel, like the simplest thing. Doesn't even need to be a terracotta something. Um, and put all those ticky tacky plastic plant containers into a thing. Throw some pebbles yes. in the bottom. Done and done. Brilliant. Brilliant. Just my idea. My immediate thought on this space, and I, folks at home, you don't need to see this space to to know what needs to be done. But rug is number one unequivocal, most important to me because a rug makes, she wanted to make it homey, right? She wanted to make it more comfortable for him. Yes. Rug just feels like home. You need to put even a flat weave, even just a glorified mat. I'm sure the girls here have plenty of good idea examples, but it's, um, you have to make, it collects the space together to make it into one vibe. Mm-hmm. Rugs are magic. That is number one. And number two is that there isn't much of a treatment on the windows. There's like a little bit of light coverage, but no like actual treatment. Um, Again, I think hanging a curtain rod and simple panels. I don't think you need to overthink it. I mean, I think Roman shades would look really nice on those windows because they're trim and the windows are high and they're not, they're not as conventionally long as like standard windows. So I think Romans are nice there, but also why not just throw up a rail and some panels? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you guys have thoughts on the curtains in that room? Oh, well, it doesn't look like she is into a lot of pattern. And I, I actually really like the simplicity of what's going on in the room with just the white walls and the really kind of light floor and, um, you know, the touch of there. She has a, a desk that's white, bedding that's white, white walls and a leather chair at the desk. And then the ceiling is sort of a a, a natural wood, sort of like beadboard attic-y ceiling. I, I, I'm embracing sort of the attic-y feeling of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know, like if you put on, if you put like really warm, um, even like kind of two smaller oriental rugs, one sort of near the desk and one by the bed to kind of mm-hmm. warm that up. 
I, I don't know if you'd need a lot of pattern on those drapery panels, but Tara and Caroline, they love stripes and, and, and pattern. What do you guys think? I totally agree about the Roman shades, especially um, if she keeps the bed where it is or moves it 180 degrees. I think it'd be really weird to have curtains right there. So that's why I'm kind of up for the Roman shades. Same with the yeah. desk. Like it, it, it would just be strange because the, their the bed would hit your drapery. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, okay, first off, I would cry if she painted the ceiling. I think the ceiling is so yeah, pretty. Yeah, it's charming. It's natural. I yeah, love it's natural it. wood, like pine, beadboard. It's cute. I mean, you it's do what you want to do, but I love it. I wouldn't touch it. Um, also, who wants to paint a ceiling? Nick's. No. What a Nick. pain. Yeah. No. <laughs> avoid, avoid. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I would just, I mean, if it were me, I would, I probably would turn the bed 180 degrees. So that I think she just meant 90 degrees so that her yes, head. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah. That's the one. So, so it's, don't it's trust right, me. Right don't now, trust it's, math. it's perpendicular to the windows. So there's yes. two windows. The, the twin bed is pushed against those. It's sort of like mm-hmm. a little nook or alcove that's sort of bed mm-hmm. length and mm-hmm. the windows fill that nook. Um, but if she turned the bed, and uh, um, so the the head of the bed was centered in the window, then you could do drapery panel in that window and do a mm-hmm. Roman shade over the desk. Do you know my yeah. favorite trick for a little bedside table that isn't is to use a bracket on the wall? Yes. Wow, oh, that's a good so, like a bracket, you know, that would hold like a little mm-hmm. faux topiary or just be by itself. Um, because it can fit your phone in a glass of water, which is really all you need, mm-hmm. or you know, an alarm it's clock if you really want to sleep. It um, is my bedside lighting, so if you can't fit a lamp, a sconce, true, true. Yeah, yeah, stick that in there. Yeah, plug and sconce. And the, the great thing about this little spot is she could just do a plug and sconce, and yeah. you wouldn't even see the plugs because it's not it's too tight to yeah. be able to get back far enough. I mean, I would do honestly, I would do like a cream headboard even cream Roman shades. I think just having that fabric, even Soft if there's no pattern or texture. So yeah, is fabric. I really, I also um, think like a taupe and white cabana stripe, like a thick stripe or like something really mm. simple and like non-obtrusive um, could be. And a guy would like that too. And, and yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, think I do like your It really is about Karen fabric and comfort though, to me. That room just needs. Exactly. Uh, and softness. plants will help with that too. Mm-hmm. Softness plus plants. I yeah. think you've got a winner. Yeah. But I, I like don't think a rug as well. you don't have to, those rugs shouldn't match. You know, don't get two rugs. Ooh. One that's like, you know, four by six for the desk area and one that's six by nine or eight by 10 for the bedding area. I think, you know, a vintage rugs would be beautiful in there. If you could find something found or you buy one new that goes under the bed and you find something smaller on, it's, it's a lot easier, I think, to find smaller rugs online that are um, vintage that mm-hmm. and you're not spending a bazillion dollars and it's not such an investment and, and it's a little scarier to buy something sight unseen that's, that's vintage online. So you could buy something for the right side of the room with the desk that's smaller, that's older and kind of cool and eclectic and buy something new on the other side um, under the bed that'll be soft underfoot that coordinate, but don't match. Don't match them. Um, The other thing I was also going to add, um, guys, is I was thinking because of this whole like very 
simple and, you know, really you're only art being this cool periodic table, right? That's which like, was cool. Which, and then they have green lamp, which kind of gives this very schoolhouse to me. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of simple vibe in the leather chair. Um, it's very clean, but like, I was thinking for a guest, you know, it'd be nice maybe to have a console on the wall that doesn't have anything, um, the door. So when you come in the door, kind of to the left, somewhere as a guest, you could actually place things down, maybe some like Ottomans underneath so that you could like pull it out and sit down, take off your shoes. Put your um, suitcase. Yes. yes. A luggage rack. Mm-hmm. A luggage rack. Um, would even be good for her son too. He could put his, another place to put his plants across the way <laughs> from the windows. Um, and then for me, I, for me, I would even, to be honest, cause the dark, the doors of that dark charcoal and then the periodic table has that black writing and then that kind of burnt, you know, the dark kind of linen-y background. Um, I would even, if she likes pattern stuff, look at some, like adding some black and white, like keep it all clean and crisp, but like maybe some black and white patterns or if you want that, but she seems like she wants to keep it clean. So I agree. Just keep it simple and add texture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also maybe ask your son. I like, you know, the, his, his liking plants. I don't know. I, he has, I don't know. I, there's something just about that that I, I don't know. I think it's cool. He thought enough to have plants in his right. room. Right. So in I, his that just me that he has a point of view a little bit on what might make him feel comfortable. Well, maybe you the You never wall, know what he might teach you. Yeah. Maybe that wall could be filled with interesting brackets, like you were saying, and each one holds a different plant. It's cute. Um, and it's super cute because it has nice light up there. You get mm-hmm. some yeah. yeah, be pretty. Fun. It's a really Aww. fun little like sort of attic It's escape. such a cute space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I love mm-hmm. a, I like it a lot. I love a peak ceiling. It's great. Mm-hmm. I'm jealous of that. What was her name? Kristen, our Kristen. friend. Come on, Kristen. Sorry. Our, our friend, friend Kristen. Kristen. Thank well, you for listening, Kristen. Kristen. Yeah. And for sending in your questions. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful home. It is. Yes. And you did that yourself. That's pretty impressive, girl. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, she's like, I built this house artists. painting the ceiling. Who cares? I'll paint that <laughs> ceiling. <laughs> oh, like, I love wimps. it. It feels very farmhouse to me, but in an authentic way, not like oh. in the, you know, Pinterest you know way. way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it feels like a little mountain cabin to me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like Scandinavian or, I don't mm-hmm. know, European somewhere. Something real why, good. There's something. Farmhouse <laughs> and European are sort of at odds, but. <laughs> there are farmhouses in Europe, okay? Lots there and lots are. of That's them. true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay. Sophie, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you? Sure. Oh, that Definitely. Stuff. First first stop, Instagram, Sophie Dow, D-O-W. And uh, second stop, uh, check out my site. It's Sophie Donaldson, which is D-O-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. Um, and yeah, that's where I'm at doing all sorts of fun projects that are all over the map. So if you're working on something cool or you want to talk, it's a great time to find me. I will not be on an airplane. Are you doing your book series or your... I might do some more Instagram lives. There's been those are fun. I was glad about that. Thank you. Um, they're super fun, and yeah, I have a a lot in the works. So we'll see. (laughs) We'll see what comes out. But anyway, it's always it's always about loving home. It's always about propping up both yeah both design industry, but then also just you know people and the homes that they love and you know yeah that I want them to you know I don't know I just I. 
I think it's a really interesting time to have a conversation about what our homes can do for us and how we can have a more intimate, less sort of combative relationship with these spaces. And um, I don't know, worth doing, yeah. worth talking about. Yeah. Well, we're big fans of yours. Yeah, so thank you. For I already did it. You guys, I mean, oh my gosh, I also so so much lovely about it in my home, and um, that famous gosh, so many famous pieces that people always comment on. They always tag you. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I love, I love, I love the show. I love who your guests have been. You've had so many good guests lately, and um, we only have I'm the best. Listening, I feel <laughs> only the best. Guests. I feel privileged to be included. Um, anyway, thanks, you guys. So appreciate it. Truly, Thank truly, you. thanks. And um, I'll see you IRL sometime. That's right. In real life, yes. you know. Yeah, IRL. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have kids. We know. Not as well, me. You got it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Okay. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. That's our show. Thank you for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. Please send your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. And Check out the show notes at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. Follow us on social media, Ballard Designs. And don't forget to enable the How to Decorate skill in your Amazon account so you can listen to us from your Alexa. I think that's everything. That's got to be everything. So um, (laughs) until next time, happy decorating. decorating.